Welcome to my podcast, Masterpiece and Mess. And this is your host, Madeline Wright. Here we explore unedited stories and journeys of growth, greater self-expression, and better well-being. Our stories can often be painful and less than perfect, and yet that is where the true power of storytelling lies, in the folly and bewilderment, to quote Hermann Hesse. This podcast is for honest conversations that are steeped in vulnerability and growth, hopefully creating a space for more honesty, more compassion, and a mirror in which to view ourselves as the masterpieces in the making that we all are, despite our messiness. So welcome to this episode of both Masterpiece and Mess, where we explore unedited stories and journeys of growth, greater self-expression and better well-being. Without further ado, I would like to introduce my guest for today's episode, Simon Crow, master coach who has recently made the move from London, England to Italy and who inspires me greatly as a coach and as a human being. Thank you for being here today, Simon. It's an honor to be able to have this conversation with you. And it's great to be here. Thank you. Shall we dive right in um, with some sure. questions? Sure. So Simon, can you tell me a little bit more about your journey through life up until the present moment and how you came to coaching? My journey so far, yeah, it's been quite a, a, a long and... Uh, Quite an exciting journey at times. Um, I came to coaching really because um, I had a, a job which was—it's a kind of the classic story of and a job which is successful and you know have all of the trappings of success, but really um, start to recognise after some time that it's it's really a, a you know a cage, a golden cage, <laughs> rather than the opportunity perhaps that I thought it was when I took the job. Um, and I just became very aware. I did, I did this particular job for about eight years, and I just became very aware that um, I was feeling trapped. Mm. And what was worse is I didn't know how to get out of the trap. So I didn't know how to, to break out of this golden cage because I had a family and a mortgage and a, you know, a respectable job. And my, my fear was that I wouldn't be able to find anything else, that no one else would employ me at the same, you know, the same terms and conditions and that was the hardest thing so not just not enjoying the work that I had but feeling um unable to change it um you know and they say that you can't change a situation or you can't solve a problem at the same level of thinking that created it mm. and so I got a coach um and within Less than six months, I'd left the job that I didn't think I could leave. I got another job in a much sort of smaller organisation. I was excited. It felt like I was having an impact again. It felt like my skills were being used and I was, you know, I was really enjoying it. But what I had really noticed is what the coach had done for me mm. was what I wanted to do for others. So I started mm. my coach training and that was about um, 16 years ago, I think now. Wow. But prior to that, I'd always, well, actually always, when I was in my early 20s, um, I didn't really know what to do. Um, I knew that I loved traveling. I'd been to Italy a few times. I knew that I loved Italy and uh, wanted to come back here. And so I trained to be an English teacher. I did EFL, English, English as a foreign language teaching, and moved to Italy. And that was about in 1989. 
Um, so I got to live in Italy, but I what I discovered also is that I loved teaching. I loved being involved in the process mm. of helping people to learn. Um, you know, just seeing their world open up in different ways as they you know learn new skills and new ways to communicate. And um, that was really when I discovered that I I loved being in you know loved being involved in the process of of learning, education, teaching, um, and. So I was in Italy. This is you know this is this is you asked me earlier about how you know how I how come I came back to Italy. This is because I swore when I left Italy and about six years later that I would come back here one day. It took me thirty years, but um, in you know in that time I went back to the UK and did a master's degree in teaching English to adults, um, but using media technology. So this was about nineteen ninety five when the internet was just in its infancy. And I thought, wow, this incredible technology. Imagine what that could do for teaching and learning. It opens the whole yeah. world up to people. Um, and from that got into adult learning. I got a, a management job, um, managing a department uh, within a you know large adult learning service. And again, offering opportunities to learn to, pe- uh, to people who perhaps hadn't had a great um, experience of education, but coming back into education as adults with a different mindset and, and different needs and, and different dreams, perhaps, and being involved in that, I really enjoyed. Yeah. But once I then got, you know, I moved into management, as often happens, you know, we get keep getting promoted to, to, <laughs> to our highest level of our competence. Um, and that was the job that I got stuck in. Mm. So in a kind of roundabout way, I felt that the, the coaching was an opportunity to use all of those skills that I'd learned in the classroom, um, all of that information I'd learned, learning about adult learning, um, and it gave me an opportunity to work directly with people rather than um, it's so I could so I could see their their worlds changing in front of me. Mm. And I've been coaching and training, going doing sort of corporate training and workshops and all kinds of wonderful things for about the last 15 or 16 years now. Amazing. It sounds to me that you understood early on that you really enjoy watching that process of someone thriving and blossoming and how yeah, rewarding and it, and that it, can be. And it was, yeah. it was completely by accident in the sense I, I said that my motivation for becoming a teacher was to travel mm. and I did travel and it was great but what I learned about myself was that I just I'm it's it's wonderful I just it's an it's a it's a very natural environment for me to be working with somebody who's in the process of learning um yeah. what I like most about it I think is it is that my focus is on them and rather than on myself mm. and that's sometimes that can be a real relief <laughs> Yeah, I can, you know, I, I can, I can coach, I can teach, whatever's going in my life, because because it it's just a, a complete, just a complete switch of focus from perhaps focusing on my own stuff to just yeah. being very present for the person that you're working with or the group that you're working with. Yeah, it's that getting out of your own way. Or getting out of your own head right that i'm also quite obsessed with that at present and have been listening to steve chandler and okay. reading some of his books and i know that that's quite a a theme that you know just turn the camera i like the way he, he describes it similar to what you were saying that you just turn the camera on someone else and that is a relief yeah mm-hmm. yeah 
And it's, I guess it's when I feel my happiest, really, is, is doing that. Yeah. Um, and what a beautiful career to have, to be able to get into that space mm. of just being present for somebody. Mm. So as you know, I've recently qualified as a coach. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. And I also fell in love with how coaching can get people unstuck and help them grow and move forward and how when one works with a coach, it creates like a more joyful existence for yourself, um, but also for the person you're working with. Um, can you tell me more about your coaching philosophy? Um, that's, a, that's a good question because again, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I, in the same way that I just, you know, I discovered that I loved teaching. It was really just by doing what came naturally, what felt good, um, what seemed to have the impact that I was looking for. You know, if, if the, the person I was, was teaching was happy and was learning and was achieving results, then that would be good feedback. And so I think my, my philosophy as such is really about whatever is, is kind of, whatever's useful, whatever's helpful, whatever's transformational, whatever's supportive in the moment. So whatever the, the client is, is, is bringing, is facing, um, is stuck with, um, all their aspirations, their dreams, things that they want to, to achieve. I think my philosophy is to just to just fully, fully commit to them it's not just achieving their goals, but but just moving in the direction that they want to move, that sort of the sense of that kind of liberation, that sense of, of, of potential and possibility. Um, you know, I think that we all have this inner potential and we often forget that we have this inner potential because we limit ourselves to what uh, to what we have that what exists in our, in our world currently. And um, we think that, well, it is to a degree. I mean, I read somewhere that, you know, our, our life, our, our world, our environment is a kind of an outpicturing of our beliefs, of our um, our current thinking. And so, yeah, I think, you know, you get you get sort of stuck in that, in that feedback that you don't believe anything else is possible. Um, a bit like when I was stuck in that job, I just didn't know how to get out of it. And so my philosophy, I think, is really about helping people to get more of what it is that they want. But there's, there's something often that there's that, that potential that they don't even really want to admit to or don't even know how to access. And that's the spark that I try to nurture. Apologies. I muted myself by accident. Um, yeah, not knowing how to access, I think. I can definitely relate to that. Before I even started my coaching journey, I had no idea what I wanted. If you had asked me that question, I would have been entirely, yeah. And so it was only through that journey of like really peeling back the layers that it slowly became apparent. Sorry, I've got a fly. Yes, I can see. <laughs> um, right, but let's move on to the but next that, question. But, well, you, just, you, just, you just said a really interesting thing. You said, I didn't know what I wanted. Mm. And it reminds me of my first ever coaching conversation with with this wonderful coach Jane, who helped me, you know, change my life in in a very short number of weeks, really. 
<clears throat> and the question was, what do you want? Mm. And I remember spending, I don't we spoke for hours, you know, and she was a great listener. And I remember, you know, really going deep into my soul and talking about everything. And she said, can I just reflect something back to you? And I said, yes, what? And she said, you've just spent two hours telling me what you don't want. Mm. And it was, <laughs> yeah. it, it was, it was one of those moments where, where I just, it just stopped me in my tracks. And I realized I don't even know what I want. Mm. All I know is what I don't want, what doesn't work yeah. for me, what I'm not satisfied with, yeah. what I hate, what I don't, you know, what a, what a, what a mindset to try and create a new future from. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so what she was able to do in that, and you just mentioned with with you know, that Steve Steve Chandler, she just was able to turn the, the lens completely 180 degrees from looking inwards to looking outwards. Or what? If you could have anything, what would you want? Well, that's a different question. Quite a terrifying question, actually. <laughs> but also what I what I yeah, I heard from what you just said is that that fixation on what I don't want is bringing you into this, sorry, the fly <laughs> into this negative energy that that is what, where you're putting or investing your energy into. That's right. And so what you don't want yeah. right now is this fly flying around. I know. So we have to, we'll have to, <laughs> we've got to put our energy somewhere else. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, it's quiet <laughs> for now. Oh, okay. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Simon. Um, You've written a book called Thresholds. Yeah. Um, tell me more about it. Well, first of all, I didn't. I didn't write the book. Um, I could have. I. It, it's a compilation of stories, and I mm -hmm. and a friend of mine, Robin, we compiled a collection of fifty-six stories um, from around the world. It's called Thresholds because, in my experience, people reach moments in their lives. And in those moments, they get choices. And sometimes people choose to step across the threshold and go on that journey, that hero's journey. Mm. Sometimes they decide to stay where they are. or Sometimes they decide to step backwards. And so the book was really just to just to, to hear from normal people so that the pe people who contributed to the book are not, not people who you would consider to be the, the pinnacle of they're just people who are living lives but we all have you know, we've all found the, the courage at some point to approach the situation that they found themselves in differently to step across the threshold to open themselves up to new experiences and new ways of seeing the world and new ways of of thinking you know being willing to take the risk um and how their life has has changed even in small ways but and in sometimes big ways but how their lives changed as a result of that and we you know we wanted the stories to be told as stories and not um not as kind of lectures and so we asked uh, the the authors not to start drawing out the learning points and you know this is what i learned type but just tell the story and let let the reader use the light of their experience and shine that light on aspects of their own lives and to make whatever meaning of it, you know, that they wanted to, rather than having it, you know, pointed out to them. And it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful collection of stories. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a, it was a fun project to be involved in. Mm -hmm. um, finding 56 authors or 54, because Robin and I wrote a story each, um, but finding people who wanted to, to participate to share a story um and then helping them to write the stories in a way which were engaging 
but also yeah. um, as I said, avoiding being you know, specifically trying to teach other people from their own experience, but just to let people mm-hmm. to read and, and enjoy the experience. Um, and the, yeah, it was, a, it was a great a great project to be involved in. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't know if thresholds too is there. It was a lot of work. So I don't I don't know if Robin would would thank me if I said I think we should do another one, but um, it's it's available on Amazon if anybody's interested. Wonderful. Um, yeah, I'm downloading it, and also you'll see after I don't know when was it published. Um, three or four years ago. I'm not, okay. I can't remember exactly when it was. Give yourself another year or so, and then the bug will start biting again. You think so? You think uh, so? I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> Yeah, but I know it's hard work to put something like that together. Yeah, but you know, you know, Robin and I wanted to do something together, and we we loved stories. I think that storytelling is is just it's just fantastic. You know, I, I love to hear people's stories. I love to tell stories um, because well, it, it creates deeper connection. It's it creates a heart connection. People have to be vulnerable. Um, and I think that it, it it creates a deeper sense of love and and respect and intimacy. Yeah. And I get you know often when I go into corporate situations and do leadership training, the first thing I start with is storytelling and just get mm. people to tell their stories, even briefly. Yeah. And then you know you you get people sitting around a table with their colleagues suddenly thinking, "Wow, mm. I'm surrounded by some pretty cool people who've done some pretty yeah. amazing things." Yeah. Um, or I just, you know, I've got much more depth than I ever really realised. I'd ever really appreciated because they've never spent time, you know, never spent the time getting to know them. Mm. Yeah, heart so connection. I, yeah, that heart connection. And mm. I think, you know, all of my leadership work is around that, you know, the heart of leadership. It's it's getting into that heart-based, heart-centered leadership. Yeah, um, creating connection and and deeper levels of trust and vulnerability and kindness. Yeah, I love that. I can see how that can shift an organization from defense and guardedness into real connection and working together and mm. yeah, mm. and being human. Mm. Yeah. I can completely relate. And we've had the conversation obviously prior to the podcast, but the storytelling and that opening up, I think I learn more from people. Um as I told you, I'm in recovery, so I often sit in meetings. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, that's where you see yourself. That's where the mirror is truly held up mm-hmm. and you can see your own reflection without somebody trying to teach you something. They're just mm-hmm. they're just sharing their story. Mm-hmm. And then you see oh, yourself clearly. Yeah. yeah. And it's beautiful, isn't it? And so I'm imagining at some point in your journey, there was a, a threshold moment, a moment in which mm-hmm. you decided to, to not go down the same path, but perhaps take a different one. Yeah. Um, and one day, maybe you'll share that story in in the ne- <laughs> in the next iteration of thresholds. I don't know. Yeah. Gosh, it's uh, in recovery. They call them at a rock a rock bottom. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And sometimes yeah. you have to go through quite a few of those. You think you've hit the rock bottom, but then there's another. There's like a trap door, and you fall through. <laughs> But yes. um, certainly, yeah, there comes a point when it becomes completely unbearable um, and you have to do something, mm. whether that's, yeah, it just have to move forward. Mm. And that's yeah. a good thing. It feels very uncomfortable at the time, but. It certainly can yeah. do. And I, and I think, I mean, you're, you're absolutely, 
you, you know, to, to you're absolutely right to reference that moment, that rock bottom moment. But I think also there, there are moments in our lives when it doesn't require us to reach rock bottom just to make a different choice. Mm. You know, I, I, just just not doing what we've always done, just taking a different route to work, just just spending time to mm. to connect with that person in the, in the in the cafe that you've seen for years but never really, you know, gone beyond their name. I don't know, just... So yes, in, in terms of our life transformational moments, rock bottom, you know, it is, a, is an incredibly important and, and sort of transformational and difficult moment. But there are moments in life where, you know, every day where we can just choose a different path. Yeah. A different experience. Mm. Yeah. And those small things, the small changes that you are willing to stay open to. I love that. What a lovely thing for the listeners to to think about. Yeah, so yeah. You know, I love ice cream, and and sometimes I, I'll go into the ice cream shop and just choose another flavour, mm. just for the experience of not yeah. having my favourite. You know, mm. and it and it you know it may sound you know not very significant, but I think that that we we you know we become a result of the things that we do. Yeah. And there's a kind of magic in 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 telling the universe that you're open to change. If, oh, well, if you do the same thing every day, get the same coffee from the same coffee shop mm. every day, and walk the same route, and you know, go to the same office or whatever, what you're doing, I think, is you're telling the universe energetically that you're not open to change. Mm. And I think that what we can do through our choices, saying, "Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm up for something something new. I'm up for a different experience." I'm done for enrichment yeah no or, or another yeah. another way of looking at it i think is is if you're doing the same things but spend time noticing so you know if you, if you drink the same coffee every day well tend spend some time noticing it while drinking it mm. and 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 so rather than sort of perhaps going wide and, and creating new experiences just go deep into the experiences that you're having. Yeah. Um, I think, again, that that is a way of kind of developing and, and engendering a curiosity and a, you know, an openness to, to the wonders of that surround us in every moment. Yeah. So even though it's the same experience, we're just fully present for it. Yeah. 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 And having it and having it in a different way, perhaps. Mm. That's lovely. Thank you. It was a great reminder for myself as well, actually, you know. Yeah. yeah we say too. these things and think, do I really do that? And I thought, well, well now, now I've just I've just reconnected to that intention. So I will I will never yeah. endeavor today to to be more mindful, to be more present. Yeah, me too. It's inspired me. <laughs> I I often hang on to like I think it's just a human thing as well that I like safety. And there's safety and predictability. So I notice that if I don't have things just so, <laughs> then I feel quite um, destabilized. And it can be small things. So it is a practice to to break free of that. Yeah. Well, we, you know, yeah. we, we talk about comfort zones. It's a it's a, an expression mm. that, that we you know is widely used. Yeah. And it is. It's where the brain likes to be. But in terms of growth and, and learning and development, it does require 
stepping out of the comfort zone. So yeah. learning anything, like learning a language or learning to play guitar or learning yoga requires you to do things that you've not done before. And there's a lot of resistance to that. Mm. Yeah. But it's again, it's because it's the, it's, it uses more of the more of the brain's resources than it wants to give you know and it and it is it doesn't feel safe it's it's new and and and, and threatening and challenging and often that's what people holds people at the threshold point yeah is that um mm -hmm. yeah choosing the familiar and there's nothing wrong with it there's nothing wrong with it but if you choose the familiar you'll get the familiar and if you want a different experience then at some point it does require you to choose differently yeah i love the way you articulated that it seems so non-threatening <laughs> you know if you look at it from that perspective just choosing something different it kind of takes some of the fear of change and mm. yeah out of it yeah, I, I read somewhere that 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 heard somewhere that 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 development or growth will always um, you'll always encounter fear and discomfort, but just because you're scared and uncomfortable doesn't mean that you're growing. Yeah, and I think that some people confuse. Well, if I make myself scared and uncomfortable, it must be really positive. Because it means I'm growing, and it doesn't. It might just mean you <laughs> just might mean you're scared. You, mm. You've stepped too far beyond. I think it's about finding an edge and leaning into that edge and expanding it, rather than trying to um, to break something. And I think when you say it feels non-threatening, I've done both, and I have. You know, sometimes I have done things which have scared me. Um, and I don't, I'm not always, I don't always think that it's necessary, that it doesn't necessarily mean you're growing just because you're doing something which is so far out of your comfort zone. Yeah. So I think, you know, incremental. Small steps. Small steps. When it, <clears throat> dream big and, and take little steps. I think the dreaming big is where, I think, is where you can be really bold. Mm. You know, dream amazing things, dream the impossible. Mm and then take little steps. Yeah. That's how we have to do it. That's how we wired. Yeah. Yeah, beautifully articulated. Mm. Thank you. Mm. And I think, you know, that's yeah. the book thresholds is really about those 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 little steps. Yeah, it's not it's not well, it depends on the stories. There are stories of all all kinds of levels of, of comfort and discomfort, but really it's about people um finding the will and the intention yeah. to start to do something differently. Yeah. And maybe the first step is just to become willing. Mm -hmm. And then the second step is to start setting a few intentions. But yeah, mm -hmm. just that willingness is Yeah, I I I done dreaming in there somewhere. You know, dreaming big and visioning and and yeah. there's a there's a you know, it's definitely part of my creative process is to spend time creating a vision mm. and, and really, yeah, living in that vision. Um, I think that, yeah, that that's, that's a yeah, I mean, maybe it's intention before dreaming or dreaming before intention. Maybe the dreaming gives you a, a stronger sense of intention 
not sure, but I do think that spending time dreaming, having the space in your life to dream. You know, when we talked about yeah. doing things differently, if your life is so full, then when do you get time to dream? When do you get time to, to imagine, to be curious? Mm. And then yeah. once we once we start to create amazing dreams, then it's about perhaps you know, the intention and then taking small steps towards it. Yeah. And I think that's part of coaching, again, is, is helping people to dream really big, dream beyond what you think is possible, and then breaking things down into thing, into steps which feel manageable to avoid that sense of overwhelm. So you feel like you've got somebody who is um, helping you on that journey. Yeah, and you, you're there sort of every step of the way, and when things get difficult, you can encourage mm-hmm. and just kind of, yeah, maybe steer help that person re rebalance in that journey course correct yeah, course correct or or just or, i mean where i will challenge is challenge people's thinking mm. you know when somebody tells you something is true it's true for them in that moment but is it true like is it a is it, is it a an undeniable fact probably not it may be true for them it may I feel really true, but uh, you know, other ways of thinking are are possible, and so you know that again that opens up the possibility yeah. to do things differently. Yeah, some people yeah. get very very protective of their beliefs. Mm. You don't understand. You know, you're not me, and I, so I understand how real it feels for them. But as a coach, what I'm trying to do, as I said before, about identifying that spark within, well, I'm talking to that greater part of you, that, that part of you which isn't bought into the story, that it is not possible, or, you know. Yeah. That's, that's, that's that, 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 that untapped potential. That um, Imagine if that, if that got to come out and play, what would be yeah. possible? Putting the story in its place. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's it's really important that we don't discount what people believe to be true. But if if we then limit ourselves to what their current sense of reality is, then there's no space for any any, any different reality. Yeah. Right? You know, that's I think again, that's one of the great powers of coaching. You know, is it true? Yeah. Mm. I want to just jump back a moment. I love that, like challenging the truth um, and just opening up the possibility that there could be a, a different reality. Um, but when you say what really struck me, uh, how you like to dream and make space for that dreaming, can you maybe talk me through what your daily practice looks like? And yeah, and I, I will kind of caveat it, but at the moment my daily practices have, have fallen or fallen away. Um and so I don't I don't want to I don't want to give the impression that I do this all the time. I still dream, I still envision, I still create pictures of, of how I'd like things to be. I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment, maybe. 
but the practice that I engage in when I want to create a big change, when I'm really committed to and have a strong intention to create, you know, go on a new adventure to create something new, something different. My practice is to spend time daily um, creating that vision. So um, what I would do is I would lie down normally on a yoga mat with a cushion or something, maybe a blanket over me and do some breathing. Um, often use kind of the Wim Hof type breathing, quite enjoy, quite yeah. enjoy that because it, it kind of seems to open the brain up, get some nice sort of chemicals and oxygen into the brain and then start to imagine, start to dream, start to picture the new scenario. An example I might give was um, this house that I'm doing now in Italy. So leaving London for me was a big wrench. You talked about kind of rock bottom. There was a big, big moment of, I don't think I can do this. If this is just, this is going to break me. It's too hard. But I would lie and I would envision a house and I would envision walking through the house, going into each of the rooms. I'd imagine the people who were sitting in these rooms. I'd imagine the conversations we'd be having. Um, I'd imagine the sort of textures on the wall and I'd imagine the, what was happening outside the window. And I, I mean, this this is true. I mean, this is what I would do. Mm. I mean, I hope, you know, you hear people talking about this, but this was genuine. I would walk around feeling, touching, smelling, seeing and spend, you know, 20, 25 minutes, half an hour every day just in this house, in walking around the garden, talking to the people who would be there, um, having the experience in my mind. And and it really it felt like this compelling vision, this compelling picture. And what was wonderful is when Stacy, my wife, and I walked into this house, it was this is it. This is the house that we well, I talk for myself, but this is the house that we were envisaging. Mm-hmm. And wonderful thing is, I I remember one particular friend I have. His name is Ogo, and I remember talking to being in this the vision of the house and talking to Ogre. And he came and visited uh, just before Christmas. And that, you know, those are those moments mm. when you're sitting, you know, on the couch having a conversation and you go, yeah. sort of a little nod to yourself. Yeah, this yeah. is what I envisioned, envisioned happening. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, the, and the, so when I say I don't do it daily at the moment, I'm, I'm still in the process of creating, creating that dream. You know the the dream is is an experience that my that my brain has had, yeah. Um, and and so I may not be creating the vision daily, but I'm in the process of living that vision mm. and continuing to create it in the here and now, rather yeah. than just simply in my visioning process. Um, but it, you know, I, I think. It's it's wonderful also just to be able to to let go of what you believe is possible based on I said based on what's happening in your external and to just let your mind wander and just to imagine if there were no barriers or um, you know if you could do anything what would it be like. What would who would you be meeting? Who would you be talking to? What would be the kinds of experiences, the tastes, the food you'd be eating? Mm. Getting unstuck out of what you don't want and energetically moving 
Well, that was that question that I was asked, wasn't it? What mm. do you want? And, and yeah, so sit lying there thinking, well, what do I want? And who would I be? Who would I have to be to do that? Also, I think about imagine the kind of person who would be living here. Right. Yes. How would they be feeling? What would they, mm. what sort of things would they be telling themselves? What skills might they be um, using? And uh, yeah, and I, um, I think that's that's really important. So sort of creating yourself as yeah. as the as the person who has all of that. Yeah. Mm. First step: dreaming and recreating mm. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And there's not much doing in that. <laughs> No, yeah. Well, well, yeah. I mean, but again, that's a that's a great great point, isn't it? Because often we don't know the doing. Yeah. But we we are. I think we are we are um, conditioned into thinking it's all about what you do. So what are you going to do? How are you going to do that? Mm. And it's like most that kills most dreams. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to do it. How are you going to you know how are you going to move to Italy in the middle of COVID? when brexit's happening and you know yeah i'm gonna do that i thought well what i am gonna do is i'm gonna lie on this mat and and dream of having already done it and start yeah. there mm. yeah that's a good place to start thank you for that yeah Simon. it's a, it, yeah it's, it's that do we do we do we do in order to so if i if i had that i would be happy so what do i need to do to be happy well, my approach is: well, be happy, create create the energy of happiness, create the energy of being in that house or having yeah. that job or that relationship. Create that energy first, and and then and then the doing comes subsequent to that. Mm. Yeah, that feels like something I want to do. Instead of being asked, "What are you going to do about it?" <laughs> That doesn't feel good. It makes me already, you know, immediately jump into my brain. My mind wants to create scenarios that are going to be obstacles in the road. Because that's how yeah. we're that's how we're trained, aren't we? We want to keep mm -hmm. small and safe. That's there's a part mm -hmm. of our brain which is, has evolved over millions of years to do that, mm -hmm. and it does it really well. And we have to be grateful for that. Yeah. And sometimes just acknowledging the fact that, the, that, you know, when I have fear or thoughts that I don't particularly want, it's a question of thinking, well, that's because I have a human brain. And so that's okay. That's normal. No. You know, uh, allow, I'll allow that because that's how my brain has evolved. And that's what's kept us as a species alive for, you know, millions yeah. of years. So that's good. That works. <laughs> and, yeah. and now, now I'm going to yeah. use a different part of my brain, which is yeah. the part of my brain, which is about dreaming and imagining mm. and connecting and, and being and, and experiencing. I love that. Mm. And the self-compassion also of just saying, that's just that part of my brain is wired to work that way, mm. to protect me and to keep me safe. And mm. now I can use this other part and really we, yeah, make that work well, that's right because the part of our yeah. brain which has evolved to keep us protected doesn't have the capacity to communicate yeah so why why try and communicate with it like try why try and argue with fear yeah you have to just accept fear 
And so you're not resisting fear. So the part that creates the fear within us feels it's done its job. It can relax a little bit. And then when it's relaxed a little bit, other parts of the brain can come online. Yeah. Um, so I think the first, you know, the first part of any transformational process is to recognize where you are, accept where you are, acknowledge where mm. you are, be okay with that. It's amazing. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go on, it's amazing. It is amazing. But what <laughs> it's amazing how, you know, if once if you're not aware of of this, you know, my brain, that part of my brain is wired this way. And so but that's okay. You know, um, I think one of the things that I can, um, that really is helpful for me about this is putting, being okay with that, uh, having some self-compassion and, and not, you know, immediately the self-talk will start, oh, I don't have enough courage or whatever, you know, something negative um, that pops up because fear is naturally there. But it really helps me to, yeah, change my relationship with fear. It's just, and almost, you know, kind of have a, yeah, a smile about it when I think, oh, that's just, you know. Yeah, as a species, we, you know, we are incredible. Yeah. So it must work. That yeah. part of our brain has, has, has works. It keeps us alive. It keeps us, but look at all the things that we, you know, we create in, in this world. So it, it functions. So rather than trying to sort of demonize it, I suppose, it's, a, it's like, well, great, fantastic. My human brain, that's my human brain. That's what it does. It experiences fear and it experiences a, a resistance to growth and it wants to hold on to its limiting beliefs because those limiting beliefs, we believe those beliefs are keeping us alive. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a question of, of really thanking them. And we touched on this, didn't we, just before we, we started talking then sink into the wisdom of the body. You know, you don't have to believe the brain, the wisdom. There's so much wisdom in the body. Yeah. So why not stop thinking, stop mm. worrying, which is all a brain thing. Yeah. And see what the body is feeling or experiencing mm. or has got to add to the, the conversation. Yeah. And these are all things that I think you have, well, again, my experience is I have to give myself space to do the, those. Yeah. So I try not to be too busy, trying to give myself time to lie on, lie and to stream or imagine or um, play or focus. Yeah. Mm. The importance of making space for that, mm. having time to do that. Mm. Yeah. And and again, just just to kind of build on sort of daily practices, what I do do daily is go out in nature. One of the reasons for moving from a small flat in London, central London, to a house in the middle of the countryside was to spend more time in nature because just being out in nature is such a, a, an incredibly, my whole energy shifts. So again, if I'm stuck in my head and my fear and anxiety, just being out in nature, walking around, it's soon, it's, you know, what I, I was thinking about this the other day. What I love about nature is late, nature has no expectation. It mm. doesn't want anything from you. It doesn't require you to be anything. 
There is no, there's nothing to be achieved. There's nothing to be good at. There's nothing to be better at. There's nothing to grow around. It just accepts you entirely, entirely, entirely how you are. So in those days of, you know, of deep anxiety or, or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever we might be trying to deal with on a personal level, when we, there must be lots of, perhaps lots of self-loathing and I don't know, whatever, whatever's mm-hmm. going on, even there's really, you know, I'm sure you've had experiences mm. where you just, you just don't think you can yeah. hold it any longer and then just go out mm. into nature and nature's, nature's kind of cool with however you are and it accepts you yeah. and loves you. And, and I, I just, you know, there's, there's been days when I just, all I've been able to do is go and lie down outside mm. and just be grateful for the fact that, that I've managed to get out of bed or whatever, get enough clothes mm. on and just go and lie down somewhere. Yeah. And if that's all I can do, then that's, that's, I've done something. I've done something very self-loving. Yeah. Yeah. It's reconnecting. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. I find, um, yeah, no, definitely I have to get out into nature. Um, I've been doing a bit of cold water swimming and mm. I love what you said about it. nature, just accepting you, mm. just welcoming you. Just that's, you know, nothing this to do. Was an, this was nothing. an insight that I had two, two days ago. Like, wow. oh, you know, I always talk about going into nature, going mm. into nature. Why? It's because nature just accepts you completely and utterly yeah. how you are. And, 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 you know, I don't, I, and I'm able to feel the love of nature. I'm able to feel that oneness, that connection, that mm. that sense of mutual, I don't know, connection, support. Yeah. Um, you know, go and sit by a river or sit under a tree or hug a tree or lie on the yeah. grass. Or yeah. I love taking my shoes and socks off and just yes. walking. Just walking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me just, too. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's 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 transformational. Mm. You know, if we talk about transformations, about changing changing your state, then then nature is an incredible tool in tra- in, in a transformation. It is. I love the Japanese concept of forest bathing. Yeah. Are you familiar? <laughs> I came well again. It was a word I came across quite yeah. recently, and I think yeah, that's yeah. what I love doing. Yeah, isn't a, it lovely? A bath yeah. in in the forest. Mm. Yeah. And I've got, if I walk down the hill here, I come into a, there's a, there's a well, it's a, it's a river in the winter and a stream in the summer, but, and it's surrounded in trees and, mm. and there's no one else around. And I just, uh, you know, I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's literally that. I love being in trees because mm. I feel immersed. Yeah. Mm. And your senses are engaged. Mm. Sound, smells. Energetically, if you take your shoes off, you're connected, you're grounded. Mm. There's so much there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then also, you know, as calm and as um, accepting as nature can be, it can also be a, a force to be reckoned with. And I think that in itself is also for me a, um, an awakening every time. Like if I go for a mm-hmm. swim in the ocean, the waves can be quite hectic here at times. And I have to be fully present and forget about all my shit. <laughs> just, yeah, just be in the moment. Yeah. Well, I, I went swimming on New Year's Day here. Well, in the UK, um, I think sure. it's probably different from swimming in Cape Town. It was, uh, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. 
Someone said, uh, someone said, oh, passerby said, is it, is it cold? Oh, yeah, I can oh. imagine. But, you know, what a question. Mm. It's New Year's <laughs> Day. Yeah. yeah. Did you, how did you feel afterwards? Um, it, it, it was one of those things again it's almost like a reset button for the brain because mm. it just it completely interrupts doesn't it it mm. kind of stops whatever loops yeah. you're stuck in and it brings you present mm. brings you back to the moment mm. yeah thank goodness for Bumhoff. <laughs> yeah if it wasn't true I wouldn't have breathing yeah. and I've now talked yeah. about, about I did yeah. all the cold a cold shower thing for, for mm. a couple of years as well yeah you know, two and a half minute cold shower yeah. I must admit, right now, I had a shower this morning and it was nice and warm. And I thought, I'm not going to put the cold water on. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. But it's five also about building courage. Yeah. Well, if you put, if you do it five seconds a day for, for um, I can't remember how many days, you're soon doing two and a half minutes. How many would it be? 90 days or something. Yeah. Probably 30 days. 30 days at five seconds a day. You, you go, see, well, five seconds a day, anyone can do that. Mm. Do it every day for 30 days, I think, if my mass is correct. It's in two and yeah. a half minutes. It's a good practice. Mm. Oh, good way of dropping right out of the head. Oh, let me see if I've got any more questions for you, Simon. Let me see. Um, uh, so what I'm interested in, is this energetically being right dreaming and energetically kind of becoming and getting to know yourself as this person that you want to move towards you're mm. trying to get into that energetic state mm. and what's difficult for me is always finding i think you call it inspired action mm -hmm. um is that something that when one sits and you make time for that practice every day, that the sort of answer to what the inspired action needs to be, does that help? Is that somewhere where you will find those answers? Like we're during that dreaming, that sort of visioning process that you do. So the question is, <laughs> when, where does my inspiration action come from i think or? what i always struggle with i'm sorry let me re try and reframe um is taking the step actually getting into the action you know knowing what to do um so do you find when you do enough of the dreaming and the visioning that naturally you know those answers to what the step needs to be what that small step or action needs to be does it kind of reveal itself to you during that time yeah and thank you for asking the question in a different way. So for, for me at the moment in, in life, um, there's a, a lot going on. There's been a lot of change. Um, and I have to be honest, my, my level of resilience and my ability to do new things is quite at a low ebb. Mm. Um, and so what I'm doing at the moment is giving myself the time and the space. So I said, I'm not currently doing visioning. I'm not currently, I've not particularly got a meditative practice going at the moment. Walking in nature is important to me, 
but I recognize that the moment now isn't the moment for me to be trying to create big projects. It just isn't. Emotionally, sort of, I'm not in a in a in a very good place. Um, and I read a book recently called Wintering. And I think there are times in our lives where just allowing ourselves to to be like a tree in winter, mm. just conserving our resources, um, you know, just just being still, not placing too many demands, not trying to force too much. Um, I think it's I think it's a, it's a beautiful um, kind of metaphor because there are times there are inevitably going to be times in our lives when things happen um, when it just isn't the time to be creative and forcing and trying to create you know trying to create new, new stuff. So wintering is this wonderful sort of analogy. This, this, you know, the moment I'm wintering. But you, I think, allowing myself to winter, if you like, is also because I know that the winter will end, and I don't know when that will be, but I know it will. I know that it will end because yeah. it always does. And so, sitting in the trust of, I'm just going to be okay for now. I'm going to be okay with my walks in nature. I'm going to be okay with um, sitting on the couch, maybe reading, watching Netflix, yeah. whatever, spending time in bed, eating nice food, meeting people who feel, you know, comfortable and, and, and so not kind of, yeah, just, just being around familiar things. Because that's where I am emotionally at the moment. Um, However, I know that things are changing because I can see myself already beginning slowly to start to do things like having doing this, having this conversation with you. Um, so, who, you know, how did I know it would be the right time to have this conversation? You know, I I had a conversation yesterday with somebody with about some potential work. Now, I had a conversation with her before Christmas, and it wasn't the time. It just I just wasn't feeling that. That energy beat yesterday, it was a different conversation and, and new opportunities emerged. And I think that's what I mean by inspired action is that trusting that the action that you need to take or could take, if you give time and space, will, will emerge. Yeah. And then when it emerges, it's about... Well, it, you don't have to make the decision to take the action because it's inspired. I, I, you, you find yourself find yourself doing it. Yeah, that's what I mean by an inspired action. Is oh, I'll just, I'll just ring that person, or mm. I haven't spoken to that person for a while, or I haven't done that. I haven't been there. I haven't. Or God, yeah, that that would be something I could do. And it's just, it's just that it's. Just feeling so. What I would say is there. Are, there is a time for allowing ourselves to be in perhaps that sort of that um, limbic, like a hibernation, moment. hibernation. That kind of wintering idea. Mm. Humans used to hibernate apparently mm. in the winter. They used to have the ability to. to oh my word! Okay, I need to read about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds cool. <laughs> um, and 
so and allow that but when the sort of the i don't know when spring you know it's the thaw is happening we start those green shoots start to to come up that's what i think about inspired action is when you see those green shoots and then nurture yeah. them and, and and start to take the action mm-hmm. um i'm trying to think about you know things that i've done just in the last few days so um i want to start building a community here and yesterday I went on Facebook and I started seeing what was available. And I saw that somebody um, not too many miles from where I'm living in Italy is also looking for something similar. And so I dropped yeah. him a message and I don't know who he is. I don't know if he'll reply that I don't have any great attachment to that going anywhere. But energetically, remember what I said? It's like it's it's the magic spell telling telling the universe Okay, it's spring. I'm thawing. You know, I'm I'm open to to new yeah. things, to new ideas, to new opportunities. I don't pretend there is a there is a, a linear path, so I'm not trying to find those logical next steps. It's like, well, what steps are there? It's a bit like wandering around in nature. You know, walking through the woods. You can follow the path, and you know where it'll take you, or you can you can just stop and look and follow and you see a little flower through the thicket and you wander in there and see what's there and then you find yourself next to the river mm. and you think well uh, and you step down and you find a fossil and then you look at the water and you see a fish and then i don't know and then that leads your mind to something else and it's 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 a very natural and, and beautiful and easy flow yeah um and then as i don't know then as the your energy and your sort of confidence returns and your design will yeah. starts to increase it might be a Maybe I then start to getting into envisioning again, or maybe mm. I start to to take some some bolder actions. Um, yeah, that's. I love that you. Thank you for highlighting that there's the ebb and flow. That mm. there's the times of rest. There's the times of just hunkering down mm. and waiting, um, um, moving through something. And then there is, you know, being open to sort of spring re-emerging and, mm-hmm. and yeah, trusting, a lovely word, trusting that yes. that time will come. Yeah. yeah. So another beautiful metaphor is, is like the metaphor of, of, of birth. And I guess spring is, is like a period of, of rebirth. So often we need to push. We need sometimes the energy of of of, of pushing is quite important. You know that kind of energy of, of well, lots of energy focused into a particular action or into a particular series of actions at a particular time. But there's no point pushing until that moment arrives. Mm-hmm. So if I use again use the kind of the metaphor of birth during the pregnancy, it really is about just. Just allowing, you know, allowing that that uh, that beautiful child to grow within you, and it's about nurturing your own body and stuff. But there's no point pushing until the moment that the that the the child is ready to to be born. Mm. Because if you push too early, it doesn't it doesn't won't make any difference. And if you started mm. pushing now for the whole of the nine months, you'd probably mm. kill yourself. Mm. But you know that in the moment that that baby's ready to be born, you're there, and you do everything it's everything that's required. You find that inner strength. You find that focus. You have that vision, that that courage. Yeah. You know, I've never given birth, but I, I've been present during birth, and it, you know, takes all of those mm. incredible, incredible, incredible 
you know, amazing, wonderful things that the, 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 the mother and the child and kind of working in unison. Yeah. And that's, again, it's something else I hold on to. Is that I know that in the moment that it's time to start pushing, mm. it will happen because that's that's how we do. That's how we do things. That's Again, that's how we're wired. But yeah. rather than worrying, I'm not doing enough, I'm not pushing, I'm not, you know, I'm not creating. It's not the moment. Mm. You know, if, if if the seeds in the earth or the trees start to, they start to leaf in the middle of winter, the leaves will die. So it's not the time mm. to push those leaves out there. But as soon as the, yeah. you know, as soon as the weather changes or it's the conditions are are there, yeah. it's great wisdom, isn't there? In, in yeah. watching nature, and it sort of, mm. and it doesn't hold back, does it? And in a few, you know, there's all of a sudden there's brutes and everything and leaves and everything bursting with life. Yeah, it's. I was struck by what you said earlier of being open and willing and the dreaming. And to me, it feels like this intuitive connection to your journey. When you stay in it intuitively, what you speak about, like trusting that spring is going to come and you're going to know when to do that big push uh, to take action, but sort of staying intuitively connected, just something that you know some dots that connected for me right now is staying in that process so that when the time comes you know you know it's the time mm. to to get into action yeah mm. thank you so much simon i think mm. i'm going to leave it there because there's a lot to digest so many beautiful pieces of wisdom that you've shared thank you so much for being so open and thank yeah, you it's, it's yeah. been lovely yeah i really enjoyed talking to you I really enjoy the way you articulate these ideas and they make a huge amount of sense to me. So thank you again so much for being here today. What a beautiful conversation with Simon Crow. I loved how Simon described the daily practice of dreaming or visioning to energetically embody our higher and best selves before we take action. Simon also spoke about inspired action and how we can find guidance to what specifically that inspired action needs to be, which can help guide us toward our bigger goal or vision for ourselves during this dreaming or visioning practice. I also loved how Simon describes shifting fear-based self-conscious thinking by turning our focus onto someone else. In other words, when our intention is to be of service to others, it ultimately unlocks our greatest potential for creativity and infinite possibility. I hope you enjoyed this first episode with Master Coach Simon Crow as much as I did. Please remember to share this episode with friends and loved ones and go ahead and post any comments you may have. I would love to hear from you. Also, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast. Thank you for listening.